Good morning. Welcome to Alpine Church, Syracuse. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Mark, and I serve as the pastor here um, at our Syracuse campus. Uh, I'm excited to be sharing this message with you guys today. We are in the fifth week of a seven-week series called The Seven Deadly Sins, and it's been, it's been pretty interesting. So I think, you know, at each week we've kind of been trying to reiterate that these seven deadly sins aren't explicitly listed in the Bible, okay? But they are, they are kind of categories of sin that have for a long time been, been something that we recognize. So we've gone through um, four so far. We're in the fifth week. Um, and before we get into today's topic, I want to go back to, so I shared um, the first message on pride here in week one. And we had this series big idea that I want to share with us, okay? And that's that the seven deadly sins are bad habits that destroy our ability to love God, others, and ourselves, okay? So this is how these are deadly. They, they kill our relationships, okay? They kill our relationship with God. The, these sins, they, they separate us from a holy God, right? And these sins, too, they also they negatively impact our relationships with those around us, our loved ones, our friends, our family. They, they negatively imp- impact them in that way. And these sins also, um, they negatively impact our relationship with ourselves because the selfishness um, from these sins, it brings about this, this shame and this self-hatred that is really hard to break free from. And so we really start to, to doubt our self-worth. And so that impacts our relationship with ourselves as well, okay? So that's really the big idea that we wanted as we got into this series is, is how these, these seven sins really affect us in all these different ways. So the first four we've already talked about. We've talked about pride. We've talked about greed. Um, we've talked about lust. And last week, we were gracious enough to talk about gluttony after we had Thanksgiving. So you guys didn't have this guilt trip before going into the holiday. Uh, so yeah, that's what we've talked about so far. Today, we're going to be focusing on the deadly sin of anger. So let's start by, by using just from the dictionary a definition of anger. Anger is a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. Or it's the feeling that makes someone want to hurt other people, to shout, things like that, etc. Okay? So that is how the dictionary defines anger. And anger, anger really, it's a lot like the other sins that we've talked about. If you've been coming each week, you've, you've heard us talk about how um, these sins tend to be something that the world kind of um, muddles a little bit today right? I mean, we, we really start to question things like pride. Um, is that a sin? You know, these different ways that we practice pride in our lives. Uh, the world doesn't really recognize that as sin. And a lot of these things are, are just really kind of confusing. Um, and the one today, anger, is another one that, that is pretty similar to that. We, we really get a little bit confused sometimes because the world can sometimes teach us that anger is a good thing. It can, it can teach us that sometimes it's acceptable and, and it's kind of celebrated uh, to practice this sin of anger. See, anger can be viewed as something that, 
it can help us to accomplish something. It can help us get something that we want. It can provide us that, that fuel and that energy to do that. And there, there's a little bit of truth to that, okay? So God, he's given us emotions, right? And he's given us anger. And it can be valuable, but that is in very, very, very select and appropriate situations. Now, another issue with anger um, is the way that the world teaches us with, with all emotions. There's this idea that it's, it's um, encouraged to express our emotions today, right? We're meant to express our emotions, not, not suppress them. And this can be confusing um, because acting out on these emotions isn't necessarily beneficial, especially with anger. Sometimes um, the world has, has really twisted this idea that we need to get our anger out. You know, have you ever heard of, you know, blowing off some steam? You know, that's, that's a common term. And that's something that sometimes we think that's going to help calm us down. And that, that's not the case. That just isn't the case. That's not how we're supposed to handle these things. That's not how we're supposed to handle anger. Because what that actually does is that is going to create a habit. So when we have these emotions now, we're going to create this habit of how we, how we react with these emotions. So how are we supposed to manage these emotions? Well, first off, we need to be honest about them, okay? We need to be honest about, about our, our emotions, recognize they're there, but we don't want to be controlled by them. So as we get into this lesson today, really think about that. We don't want to be controlled by anger, okay? Because God gave us emotions, like I said, um, but like everything else, they're only useful when they're when they're moderated, when they're really filtered through the lens that God has given us in his word. See, God, God has anger as well, right? Have we read about in the Bible? I mean, how many times has, has it mentioned God's anger, his wrath, right? God, he gets angry. And his anger, though, is directed at sin. And we would call this a righteous anger. So God's got a righteous anger, um, and we can, we can experience that as well. We can experience anger when we see some sort of uh, injustice happening around us, maybe witnessing somebody getting bullied. There's an anger that wells up inside of us, isn't there? And that's, that's good. I mean, God's, God's given us that anger for a reason, and that is a, re- it's a righteous anger, okay? It's a, it's a God-driven energy um, that can help us to solve problems, But obviously we know that there's an unrighteous anger as well, right? If we look around our world today, um, we can see so many examples of this. We see that unrighteous anger, it can be deadly not just spiritually, not just relationally, but physically, right? It It can be dangerous physically and deadly because, I mean, just look around at the news. Um, so many instances, I, I look at, especially the last, the last year and a half or so, a lot of the things that have gone on in our country, you, you see just driven by this unrighteous anger that has driven people to, to murder each other. And, and so that is an unrighteous anger. So the real question is, how do we recognize if, if our anger is righteous or if it's an unrighteous anger? Well, here's a few clues, Okay. The biggest thing is that if anger is motivated by pride, that is an unrighteous anger. 
if, if I am angry um, about some slight that's been done to me by somebody else, and I want to get back at that person, that's an unrighteous anger. Another, another sign that this could be an unrighteous anger is if the anger is unproductive. If nothing good is, is going to be coming out of this anger, if it's not driving us to something, some, some good work, some, something that needs to be done, then it is unproductive and it's unrighteous. And another sign is if it's allowed to linger. If, we're, if this anger is just going just gonna to sit inside of us and it's just going to fester and grow, that is an unrighteous anger. That's not dealing with our anger the way it needs to be dealt with. So this is, these are signs of unrighteous anger, okay? And that's what we're really going to talk about today. We're not talking about the righteous anger. We're talking about unrighteous anger. And another way that we kind of want to define this unrighteous anger, we want to define it as um, substitute anger, okay? So here's our big idea. For many people, anger is a substitute emotion to mask deeper feelings that you struggle to express, okay? Things like fear or shame, okay? Regret, jealousy, or pain, hurt. These are things that when we feel these things, most of us tend to turn to this substitute anger to mask that. I mean, really think about it. Really think about every, every instance of unrighteous anger that you've experienced in your life. I guarantee you, you can trace it to one of these, these deeper, truer emotions that are behind it. So we're talking about substitute anger, okay? And substitute anger is a false pathway to control, making you feel powerful instead of vulnerable. We don't like that, do we? That, that word vulnerable. We don't like to be that. We don't like to feel that. I know for me, I hate feeling that way. I hate, I hate um, opening up to my emotions of, of fear or or pain, hurt, shame, those kinds of things. I, I really, I don't want to admit to those things. I don't want those things to, to I don't want to be feeling those things. And so what do I do instead? I'll substitute anger. It's just, it's like automatic, right? I just, I will turn to anger so quickly whenever those emotions begin to well up. So we reject vulnerability, right? And we turn instead to anger. And really there's a good example of this in the Bible, uh, clear back at the beginning of the Bible, um, we're going to read in the book of Genesis here. We're going to read about, about the story of Cain and Abel. And this is exactly what happened. Okay, let me give you a, a little, um, little story here uh, to, to get to where we are. So um, Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve, okay? Um, and what it says in the Bible is that Abel became a shepherd Okay, and Cain cultivated the ground, so he basically, he became like a farmer, right? He raised crops. So that's where we're at as we get into this. So Genesis 4, starting in verse 3. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Okay, now, we don't really know exactly why um, 
the Lord didn't accept Cain and his gift, but he accepted Abel's gift. But what we do know is God, God knows, right? He sees the heart. He knows any motivations that were behind it. Uh, maybe, maybe Cain wasn't really presenting you know, the, the best stuff that he should to the Lord. Uh, we don't know the details, but what we do know is that uh, Abel's gift was accepted and Cain's wasn't. So let's read on. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So God is warning Cain, right? He's warning him, you're, you're experiencing some unrighteous anger. And if you don't deal with it, this, this sin, it's crouching at your door. It's, it's going to control him. And here's what happens. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. So, what happened here? Well, if we really think about it, Cain, he became, we can tell he became jealous, right? He also might have been feeling shameful, maybe. Maybe he knew that uh, what he had offered the Lord wasn't, wasn't his best and wasn't acceptable. And maybe he was feeling some shame. So there may have been jealousy, shame. And instead of admitting those feelings, the Lord even talks to him, right? The Lord even confronts him about it, trying to get him to, to recognize, hey, what's going on here? Like, let's be honest about what you're experiencing. And instead of doing that, instead of being honest, uh, Cain instead turns to this substitute anger, Okay. He does what that, that one of those signs of unrighteous anger I said was, was uh, letting it linger, right? And that's what Cain did. He let that anger linger inside of him. And it just festered up um, inside until it overtook him. It overtook him. And that's what substitute anger does. It actually causes a loss of control emotionally, relationally, and even spiritually, because it's, it's just so tempting, it's just so easy to turn to anger. I mean, it's just, it, that's how our, our flesh wants to operate. It just, it just naturally turns to anger. And it's just tempting to take the easy way out. But James, in the book of James, we're warned about temptation, okay? We're warned that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When it's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And sin brings death to relationships. Now, I've experienced this myself. Um, most of my life, I lived a life that was pretty full of anger. And what it really came down to was I didn't want to face any of the, the truer, deeper emotions that I'd had. And so when, when I met my wife, Charisse, um, I was really living this life of anger. And it did. It, it, it brought this, this sense of death to all of the relationships around me. I, had, I didn't have a good relationship with, with my, my dad, my stepmom, my, my siblings, um, and a lot of my friends. I just, I was an angry, angry person. And it did. It brought death to my relationships. 
And this happens a lot to, um, to all of us. It really does. And in fact, I want to look at uh, kind of an example. You know, I'm a man, I'm a, I'm a husband, and so I can give this example of, of what it looks like when a husband substitutes anger. Okay? When a husband substitutes anger, there's a, there's a few different things that can happen. One is your wife and kids feel bullied. Another thing is your wife stops expressing her emotions. If you're reacting in anger all the time, she's not going to want to express her emotions to you. You're going to shut down. Another thing is you never get to actual solutions. If you're turning to anger, every argument that comes up, if, if, I'm, if I'm substituting anger with that, I'm not going to get to any solutions. Nothing good's going to come out of that. And lastly, I think this is the biggest one. You actually end up looking weaker, not stronger. Isn't that funny? I, I know for me as a man, I feel like if I express this anger at some sort of situation, it's going to make me look stronger in the moment. It's going to make me look like, well, I'm the man and I'm angry right now and something needs to be done about this. But it doesn't. It makes me look like a child, really, because my wife knows that I'm being immature. I'm immature emotionally in this moment, right? She's shaking her head back there, but... And, and that's exactly what it is, okay? So these are the horrible things that come about when we're substituting anger rather than being vulnerable and being honest and open about my emotions, about what's really going on. And here's what it says about James, or it says in James about our anger. This is what it says. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Okay, and then in 1 John 3.10, says, anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So our substitute unrighteous anger, it doesn't produce righteousness, and our unrighteousness prevents us from loving other people, from loving those around us, which is what we're called to do. So this is, this is taking us the opposite direction of what God wants us to be doing. So, the real question here is, what do we do with anger? What do we do? How do we handle anger? Okay? Here's our third and last point. The antidote to anger is to be vulnerable and practice silence, just as Jesus did. Now, what better example do we have on how to live our lives than to model Jesus? Right? There isn't a greater example. And Jesus, he, he, was, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he had to deal with anger himself. Jesus had anger. He got angry. In fact, when we read through the Gospels, we read all, all kinds of instances of Jesus getting angry, confronting different religious leaders, calling them vipers. I mean, just, I mean he, wasn't, he really wasn't that nice to a lot of these, a lot of these people. Or what about when he goes into the temple. He flips over the money changers' tables, and he actually makes a whip out of rope, and he's chasing people out of the temple. I mean, Jesus, he was angry, right? I don't, I don't think I could ever get away with doing something like that, but Jesus obviously could. But his anger um, was the righteous anger, right? He only expressed righteous anger. He was never selfish or prideful, 
He was, even when he was given over to be tortured and crucified, despite being absolutely innocent, despite being God, being living the perfect life, all these things, despite all that, he does not give in to anger when he's being tortured, when he's being punished, when he's crucified, okay? He practices silence. Now, in Isaiah, he prophesied about uh, the suffering that Jesus was going to go through. He actually prophesied this hundreds of years uh, before the Messiah came. And here's what he prophesied. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. See, if the Son of God, all-powerful, I mean, he could have done anything in that instance. He had authority. He had all that authority, but he laid that down. He let himself be vulnerable to the torture that he went through, through the pain, through the suffering, to, through the death that he suffered on our behalf. Now, if he can do that for us, how can we not do the same thing? How can we not practice this idea of vulnerability, of practicing silence? In Psalm 4.4, it says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. And also in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay? So we all have this anger. We do. We all deal with this. And it's not a sin to have anger. It's not a sin to, for this emotion to, to, um, for us to experience it. But it's how we deal with it. What are we going to do with it? When what's, it? what's it driving us to? You know, is it driving us to something productive? Is it driving us to, to, um, to do something good? Or is it just festering and, and going to drive us to do something bad? We're, we're warned about all these things. Let's revisit that, um, that verse in James. But let's start in verse 19 this time. It says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must at all... You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. This is how we're meant to handle our anger. Be slow with it. Be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because that's what God modeled for us. It says in the Bible a few different times that, that God is slow to anger. He really is. He's patient with us. And that's what we should be as well. We should be patient. We should be slow to anger. And if you guys have been with us through, through these few weeks that we've been going through this series, um, this book that we've been referring to, we've been, we've been pulling a little bit out from it for this series, um, Graham Tomlin, um, his book on the seven deadly sins, he's got this great quote in it about, about anger. He says, like most sins, anger takes something good, a proper hatred of evil and injustice, and twists it into something destructive, taking the law into our own hands and sustaining a long, smoldering campaign 
of vengeance. So we really need to remember that as we, as we go about our, our daily lives, when we're experiencing anger that, that comes up, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with it? And, and is it a righteous anger? Is it an anger towards uh, evil and injustice? Or is, it, or is it one of those prideful things where somebody's, you know, offended me and I want to be angry about it? Well, those are the things that I need to turn over to God. So, um, I hope that this really has kind of been something that, that you will take and, and really do some self-reflection because I know that I have. In fact, I am constantly having to do this kind of self-reflection um, of myself. And, and, and God, he's really demonstrated to us how we're meant to deal with these emotions. These emotions are not bad, but it's how we deal with them that matters. Um, would you guys pray with me? God, we uh, thank you for the example that Jesus set for us because we get so confused in our world uh, today on how, how we're supposed to deal with these emotions that you've given us. These emotions are confusing because the world tells us one way to deal with them and your word tells us another. And so God, I just pray that we would, we would take what you have given us, take your truth and filter all of the emotions and, and the feelings that we deal with on a daily basis, that we would filter them through the truth that you've given us. And God, I pray that most of all, that we would really strive to model Jesus. We're continuously being molded more and more into an image of Jesus. That's what your spirit is doing in us. And so God, uh, I pray that, that we would let your spirit do that, that we would lean into the spirit rather than our own will, our own feelings, our own pride, all these things that just really drag us away. God, I just pray um, that those that feel convicted today of something in this message, that they would really turn to you and maybe, maybe some other believers here that if they need a little more clarity, a little more discussion on it, that, that would be revealed to them. Your spirit would really uh, just work on their hearts, work on all of our hearts to help us to be more honest and open and vulnerable. Most of all, to really just demonstrate the love that you've given to us. Because God, you've called us as your church to share your love with those around us and to shine your light in this world. And God, we just thank you for the sacrifice that was made for us that we're so undeserving of. That, it would, that we would look at that and let it really drive us to, to being more patient and loving with each other. God, we thank you for Jesus and this time of year. And God, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.